Welcome to Inside the Recording Studio. I am Jody Whitesides, and with me is Mr. Chris Hellstrom. How are you, Chris? I'm awake now. Yes. That was very energetic. Ah, I'm good. That's all I'm in reference good. to what we're planning on talking about today. This is just kind of a good introduction to this particular episode. Don't you agree? I do agree. Yes. yes. Because what are we talking about? Gain staging! <gasps> Such a mysterious concept, isn't it? It makes me shift in my chair. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, just shifting in my chair because it's like, hmm, it's one of those things that a lot of people are very uncomfortable with. But it's not necessarily that I'm uncomfortable. I'm just doing it just to be funny. Sorry. Well, you're a funny kind of guy, Jody. Now and then, now and then. Every, yeah, every once in a while, right? Mm. Um, yeah, no, I think, but but I think gain staging is if you go on various internet forums, you will more than likely get different um, rules for how it's important. <laughs> and some people say it's not important and this is why you have to do it and your song sucks because you're not adhering to it. So uh, um, The interwebs full of, yeah. of stuff. And here we are adding yeah. to it. <laughs> right? All right. <laughs> yeah. So why don't you kick us off then by talking about where this whole thing came from, the concept of gain staging. What is that term? What does it mean? What's it from? Well, it has its origins like so many other things in the analog domain, right? No. Where, you don't say. Yeah. I, I do say, yes. <laughs> As we were talking about before, there, there was a world before digital. Uh -oh. Surely that can't be true. No, it's um, not. I always thought digital came first. Yeah. Well, if we are living in a simulation, I guess that would be very true. But Matrix. Um, yes, but um, that that's above my pay grade. <laughs> okay, continue on. It, <laughs> so, has its, it has its origins in the analog world. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah, where gear had a tendency to be very noisy. So we were shooting to record as hot or as loud as possible to minimize the noise floor and before getting distortion. So that was known as like zero in the analog world. You were going up to zero to get the hottest amount of signal to tape without adding distortion by going over or being recorded so low that you would get a lot of noise. Right. That, that's basically what that came down to. So getting a cleaner signal, as clean as possible signal. I would uh, call that dynamic take. range from your lowest ability to stay just above the noise floor to your loudest point of before you hit distortion. But somewhere yeah. in between there, when mm -hmm. we set our levels, that's the gain and the stage that we're at, right? Right. So it's the setting of that level, choosing that level. That would be, you know, how we basically, like you said, gain stage, right? Yes. I, you know, I, I think, and I could be wrong here, but I don't think I am. But when you're <laughs> talking about in the analog world, uh, the, the term gain staging probably didn't even exist. It was just like, get your levels right. Yes, you know? that's probably and, very uh, true. They probably didn't say the word gain staging. They were probably like, this is how loud it's going to be. Don't go above it. Tr let's yeah. not go too far below it kind of thing. There was just like this sweet spot that they had right. for mm -hmm. the gear that was made in that era of 24, 48 track tape 
and whatnot. Yeah. So um, you mentioned their dynamic range, and this is something that um, hence the intro I a, gave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that really low and going up to that really yeah, high kind of a power metal power vocal. Yeah. 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 Um, singing about dungeons and dragons and meridians. <laughs> Swords and, and sorcery. All right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, back on track. Wow. Yep. That was quick. Again, that, that's the nonsense part of the, of the podcast. Right? Yep. Um, but with, so the headroom that we have today with today's converters and everything in the digital domain is so much higher so that we don't have to worry about hitting in the red. We're going as, as close to the red while we're tracking. And um, because there's less noise, you know, we, we don't have to worry about that. So here's something that you were an early proponent of this. Mm. So you started tracking and still do today lower than I tend to do. I don't go yes. super high, but I'm still higher than you. So maybe you can <laughs> talk us through what your mindset is about that and how you sort of discovered that or started adopting that. You mean the approach of, of trying to hit a peak level of minus 18 dB sure. on yeah. your channel strip meters in your DAW? That, it goes back to a point where I got the multi-tracks, <coughs> not <coughs> multi-tracks of an old Aerosmith song. Mm -hmm. uh, don't slap me with a copyright suit, <laughs> Stephen. <laughs> no. Yeah, I, it was all for educational purposes. It, it yeah. was for educational purposes, but I actually don't recall where I I had, had obtained these multi tracks, and it was for a song called "Walk This Way," which is you know most people tend to know that Aerosmith song, and. What was really, really, really interesting about it is that every single track was peaking at minus 18. So I didn't have, and I left all the faders sitting at zero and every mm -hmm. track was peaking no more than minus 18. And it was like, man, you could barely see the sound wave in the arrange window of the DAW. And I'm thinking, how bizarre is it that it sounds absolutely stunning with no like effects, no channel strip, fader movements, nothing. And it sounded amazing. Obviously, it was a transfer from a tape because they didn't record it to a DAW when they originally recorded this song. But they obviously transferred it at the same volume level that they had recorded it at, which means... It's minus 18 dB, and it sounded fantastic. And all of a sudden, something just clicked in my head, and I'm just like, why am I trying to push everything to essentially red and zero and removing yeah. all of the dynamic range out of everything when I can record at minus 18 and be able to leave my channel strips relatively close to zero and not have to move them as much and leave room for everything to breathe? So that's where my quote-unquote revelation came from for recording at a minus 18 dB peaking level. Like nothing was going to hit 
much above that. Now, interestingly enough, and I believe we have mentioned this in prior episodes, more specifically about guitar amps, guitar amps take their input signal at something like minus 18 dB as well. And a lot of analog gear that a lot of plugins now emulate all relate around a minus 18 dB signal input for their quote unquote sweet spot. So when you take all that into consideration, it makes a hell of a lot of sense to approach it in that regard, at least to me. That's how, that's how I would approach it. Now, I didn't originally call it gain staging. It was just, that's the volume level I'm going to start recording at. And it started making my mixing a lot easier when tracks were recorded without tearing my head off. Is essentially, yeah. and, and that's that's where it really all kind of stemmed from that. And I have, I have to blame the the walk this way Aerosmith multi tracks that I had received. <laughs> yeah, um, I think now, there's, there's a I, lot of. There, well, let me let me kind of carry on with that a little bit. There's a yeah. little carryover as to why I did that, and what it has to do with. Hold on. Mm-hmm. What it has to do with is that in the early days of digital, yeah, the converters weren't as good. So you had to record as loud as you could in order to avoid what they call zipper noise. Because you could literally hear the converters doing their thing if you weren't recording loud enough. So everybody started pushing things as close to zero as they could so they could remove the digital noise floor of early converters. Yeah, so you're talking about lower level signals now, where, where you could hear where you could the, hear the digital the, the signal. For, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But so that's th- gone. There is, Mo- I mean, that, that, that that's gone, all gone yeah. now. That is real, unless you're operating on version one of Pro Tools or any M Audio device, or or even the original E Magic stuff from Logic. Yeah, that stuff, right. you know, all yeah. that stuff had those issues. Then everything that you buy today, it really doesn't have that issue. So that's gone. Yeah, but but there's still, even if you're not dealing with the noise floor there, I think there's a lot of good things to take from that. Um, I think if we know the history of where this came from, we can even though the reality might be different in the digital domain, there's a lot of lessons that we can take from that. Yeah. Um, the primary one, I think, is, like you said, don't worry about recording as hot as you can because it's it's just unnecessary. And what can happen in the digital domain, as opposed to if you're recording to tape, actual tape, if you get into the red and you're clipping, that's pleasing in the analog world. We get that sort of warm distortion to an extent Um, to an extent yeah of course it depends on the content right but you have the potential of adding something to that Uh, in the digital domain today if you've ever heard digital distortion and digital clipping it's not necessarily a pleasant thing well no it hasn't improved uh, it has not improved since the original digital clipping and was started (laughs) so to speak no as soon as you hit zero and you go beyond that 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 digital or the point where things will start clipping because it's not necessarily zero anymore in modern DAWs and modern hardware, yeah. but there is a point where you will hear digital clipping and it's literally noise. 
It just becomes yeah. noise. And early on, as soon as you started going over zero, it was literally like it's just a kind of sound. And it still is a yeah. kind of sound. It's just harder to get to it, so to speak. Yeah. What I was going to say there is that the headroom that we have today is so much higher, right? So we, mm. we have to, I think we have to physically try to get into that, but it's still not a pleasant sound. So, and there's no right. benefit because the noise floor is so low, there is no benefit of, of running Recording that. that hot, exactly. Which is why yeah. I try to stick exactly to the minus 18 that I talk about all the time whenever I'm working with somebody that... Uh, sends me tracks that are too hot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And with that, and let's take a quick word from our sponsor. All right. We're back and we're going to start talking about why we want to keep levels consistent. Tell us, Chris. Yeah. This is something that I am a little bit more um, Nazi-esque about. Nazi-esque about? I, I, yes. Um, because... When you have tracks that are recorded at a widely different levels, let's say that you have a snare drum that is almost tickling into the red, right? And then you have an acoustic guitar that is barely making any noise that's recorded or making any sound. It's, it might be hitting at minus 30. That is a pain when you're sitting down and you're going to start mixing. Uh, so <laughs> really? just like you mentioned with, with the multi-tracks that you had, if everything is sort of uniform across the board, it doesn't mean that it's going to end there in the mixing stage, but your starting canvas is so much easier to control. Well, you have a wider uh, range of being able to obviously drop down or bring the fader down, and you have a much bigger range of being able to bring something up when you have... Correct that when you're at that minus 18 level, you have a lot of room in both directions to move. Yep. And Indeed. still keep and things then, dynamic. I, I, I want to kind of point that out. You can still keep things dynamic when you're like that. Yeah. And also you have room to account for, um, you know, any additional processing that might happen to those strikes that, that may or may not bring up the levels and, and, or lower them but but I try to keep that consistent and it's a good habit I think as well when we have this and this gets a little bit more into the mixing part of it but when you're dealing with that range once you're adding let's say that you're adding a compressor to tame some peaks and you use some makeup gain and you might make that track hotter you know I would still try to adjust for that so that it sits about even with any kind of processing. The same thing if you're doing um, a lot of wide EQ curves or anything like that. But, but try to keep them there from your starting point. It's not moving the faders too much up or down, depending on the processing you're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think gain staging to me, it's, um, it's keeping levels relatively uniform across the board. I tend to go a little bit higher than you do, but I, I tend not to go above, let's say, minus 12. And it's not because I think minus 12 is some magical number. It's just that I feel like I have enough headroom 
both up and down to, to operate. Sure. Uh, but, but I, and I, I don't disagree yeah. with it. And I'm not telling everybody, and I'm not trying to be the minus 18 DB Nazi that it sounds like I am, but, uh, it just makes things so much easier for the mixing engineer. If the recording engineer tracks at an easy to use level, which is minus 18, and and that's as we've mentioned before on the top of the podcast. It comes down from the analog world. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think that that would make a relatively nice transition here into when we're talking about all this analog emulation software that we have today, and rightfully so, I think questions arise. Well, well how how hot should I drive these? Right? How? How? What? What kind of signal should I be sending into them? Sure. And then you know. And that's the, the not answer, a stupid question. It's a good question. No, no, no. It's a very, very valid question, because if you're truly trying to impart what that piece of gear was designed to do, you you want to hit it with enough level where it does its job the best, right? Yes. And a lot of times, I think the answer is minus eighteen. Right, and we should say that minus. I think we mentioned like minus eighteen is the sort of equivalent of zero in the analog world. We, yeah, we mentioned that, right? If we didn't yeah. say that, no, that I was at the top. You, yeah. you mentioned it, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then that would be you know the the ideal point. But consult your manual, right, for the piece of gear <laughs> that that is. Always uh, read the manual or play around right. for ten years on a piece of gear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which one is faster? Do you think? <laughs> um, but also, I think it's kind of important to keep in mind there that those pieces of gear. Now, depending a little bit on the gear, I'm assuming. But if that's the sweet spot for the gear in the analog realm, it's presumably because that's what it sounded the best, where it had the hottest level input without importing any distortion and without adding noise. So what does that mean? Well, that means to me anyway, that if you feed it less, you're more likely to get more noise or artifacts if it's designed that way. But also if you're adding it hotter level to that, you're just gonna impart more of the harmonics that it presumably was designed to, to impart. Give. Yeah. Yeah. Provided so, that emulation is done right. Sure, absolutely. So, but that means also that if you're feeding it exactly 18 and it was a fully functioning unit that was emulated, that means that you're importing the least amount of analog characteristics. Oh, That's I don't the know way if I'd I agree with it. it. Yeah, I, I just think it's I'm going to disagree. Thought because that, yeah. that, you're going to disagree. Okay. Yeah. Well, that, that's wow, we disagree on something. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but, it, but it's. You know, in the I understand your thinking. I just disagree. With right. You. So, my my point is that I, I'm hoping comes across here is that with all these analog emulations, don't be so concerned with the levels if you're getting a pleasing sound out of it. Well, and if that sounds, and that's that's just reality. I mean, if it sounds good, it is good. Yeah. Or if it's you know appropriate, let's say. Right. Um, right. If it sounds good in context. So, but. Consult your manuals and see how these pieces of software were designed to sort of take the level and adjust. But unless you're 
clipping it, clipping any plug-in or any part of the stage and it sounds god-awful, then you're pretty much in the clear. So uh, <laughs> That's a good way of looking you know, at it. You're kind of in the clear. Right. However, when right. plug-ins like, like the Mog EQ, let's just talk that one real quick, mm -hmm. because yeah. it's real easy to overdo the airband on that or actually any sure. band on it. That actually has a little LED light in it, not only on mm -hmm. the plug-in version, but on the actual hardware version as well, to let you know when you're clipping that thing. And mm. when you're clipping it, beware. <laughs> yeah. Beware, dial back. <laughs> right. Yeah, is that something that you've come up against on occasion, because I know you're a big on fan occasion. of the mod. Yeah, on yeah. occasion. Yeah. Okay. So, where do you generally notice that? Do you notice it mostly in the high end, or no, or? no, no? You, you you really start to hear it more in the low end, more than anything. But the, I I've tried pushing the high end to the point where it's just shrill, and it's hard to make that thing shrill. But as soon as you start clipping yeah. it, you can make it shrill. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, yeah, but that's interesting. That, when you're pushing it that far, it's it's a little too far. Yeah, actually, but it's, it's interesting that you start hearing it in in the low end. Well, the low end has more energy. Sure. But, so, but and I'm talking strict volume level kind of thing because it's telling you your input signal is coming out too hot from what you've given it. Oh, okay. So, so you're not talking about boosting the airbound too hard and you start hearing it in the low end. You're just driving no, 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 the plug-in. No. Right, Yeah. If you're driving oh, okay. the plug-in, you're driving a lot of low through it and it starts peaking red on that little meter, yeah, you're you're creating issues. So, But it, mm. it, it's like that with anything. You do the same thing with, say, a compressor. If the compressor is driving too hard, well, one, you're losing dynamic range, and two, you can hear it literally starting to crush the sound to a point of distortion. Now, sometimes sure. you want that for a particular part. Mm -hmm. But to do it all the time as a means of like, yeah, I'm compressing – you're doing a great job at compressing, <laughs> all right, but it doesn't make the sound sound good. Um, yeah. I recently heard a mix where that was happening, where it got the a specific set of parts of an instrument to sound like, uh, what would I call, ping pong balls slapping off water, but not in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you've you've used that description to me before. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's well another one that I could a, use. Not is a pleasant one, right? Throwing tic tacs at a window. <laughs> Ew! Yeah. <laughs> tick tick tick. Yeah, yeah. We have to watch. Yeah, because at that point, are you really compressing or are you just adding distortion? Right. Which you know, tomato tomato. Right. But um, uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah. essentially, so, here's another thing to think about, though, as we're kind of pontificating upon the whole concept of why you would gain stage, why you want to watch your volume levels as you're recording and you're throwing them through your plugins and that kind of thing. You'll, man, if you take like a masterclass thing from the website, masterclass.com, you will see some of the guys that do the recording there for a specific genre are pumping the living shit out of the volume. And that doesn't mean that it's great doesn't mean that it's bad. Sometimes it's questionable uh, from certain standpoints. But what happens when you do that and you're pushing everything, quote unquote, to the red and past zero, so to speak, you lose what we mentioned a little earlier as dynamic range. 
It means everything's yeah. going to be uniform at that point. It doesn't matter how much louder you go until you hit the distortion. It's not louder. Nothing's, it's, it's, if you take the. It's just sitting there. Yeah. yeah and if you kind of take it from, what is <laughs> Nigel, from, from Spinal Tap, it, it's, yeah. it's none more loud. <laughs> right. <laughs> Instead yeah, of none more there, black, yeah. it's none more loud. So it doesn't behoove you to do this uh, if you want something to breathe. Now, some genres of music, they operate that way. And you know, that's just how it is. But most genres do not operate that way. Operate, 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 operate that way. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just say yeah, that. Yeah, and you can almost times. take the, you know, the. Uh, the mindset as well is that if everything is loud, then nothing is loud, if you will. Yeah. Uh, Because there's no contrast there. Um, Yeah. And uh, there are, you know, we don't have to go over all of these, but but there are several albums that, you know, at the peak of the loudness wars that are just like severely hampered by that. Well, it's not even so much they're hampered. They just have no, there's no volume difference from loud to soft, and it's to the point of distortion. Like, you literally hear the distortion that's going on. And it's not a pleasing distortion because they decided they wanted to be so loud, it'd be none more loud. But that so loud point is distortion point, and it's not pleasing. You can't listen to those kind of albums more than a few minutes at a time. It's just awful. Yeah, and that's a good point because it gets very fatiguing to the ear. Where it's just like it's just a constant barrage. So, um, yeah, th- that's something to think about the dynamic range. And even if it is like, let's say, if it's an intense metal track or or a super heavy sort of dance EDM thing, yeah, dance right? thing. yeah, it you know a little bit of contrast goes a long way there. I think as well. So it doesn't have to be pedal to the metal for you know an hour, and that's like oh my god, you know. Well, you could put the pedal to the metal for an hour. You just probably won't be able to stand listening to it the full way. Unless, of course, maybe it's meant to be listened to from a boombox from halfway across the room. At that point, maybe I could understand (laughs) it, but it's not going to be in headphones on your head at a respectable level where you're going to want to listen to that over and over and over again. It just, uh, uh, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. And and, and at that point, that's where I will actually give big kudos to the likes of Apple Music and Spotify, Tidal, Deezer, all those companies that are doing the streaming because they have set this thing of saying, hey, if you are above this level, we will bring you down. And if you are below this level, uh, unfortunately, we'll bring you up, uh, which works both ways. And it's a setting mm-hmm. um, that I love leave. I like leaving it turned on that, that automatically will do this because yeah. it makes everything – from song to song, from artist to artist, not so much uniform, but at least at the same volume level. So I'm not having to constantly grab my volume knob on my stereo. Right. Which yeah. is a great thing. But, but at the same time, yeah. doing, okay, the, we're going to go off a little bit here. I'm, I'm going off track before we finish yeah. out the podcast because, and, and this is another revelation that I had, and I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast specifically, but... There was a point where I was doing mixes, pushing them right to the edge of like, I want that loud and I don't want Mm -hmm. it to quite distort. And it was a a mastering revelation by George Leger III, where he did an accident and it came out sounding great. 
Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I don't want to discuss how that mastering was done because it doesn't make sense to do it anymore. I mean, it could be done. It just doesn't make sense. But the, the, what it resulted in for me when I learned about Spotify and Apple Music doing these different volume levels for their services and what volume levels were for CDs is that Spotify has one level, Apple Music has another. They're within 2 dB of each other, and it's a term that they call LUFS. And how this relates to gain staging is this. When you do a mastering job uh, and you're mastering for Spotify at one level and Apple Music at another and, say, CDs and or vinyl at yet two other levels, there's a whole bunch of different levels that can be bandied about. And all of that is considered gain, your final gain volume. But if you take a track that has been mastered for CD that, say, tops out where, if I'm, my memory serves, it's about minus 9 dB LUFS is like the borderline of where you're going to have some distortion in your track, but not a lot. It, it's minus 10 is yeah, probably right. the, the yeah. head, it's, that's like the headroom limit right there where you're not going to get distortion in your track at that mastering level. If you take that and you put it at Spotify's level of minus 16, and then you have Apple's level, which is minus 14, and all of this is related to what they call LUFS, and you put them all at the same volume level. So you've got your track that was mastered for Apple at minus 14 is now playing back at minus 16. You have your track that was mastered for CD that's at minus 10 brought down to minus 16. And you have your Spotify track that's at minus 16. And you play them all based on using a gain plugin to make them the same gain. And then you start flipping through them and listening to what each one sounds like. You will hear a spatial difference in your mix. I guarantee it. And it will Mm -hmm. be different. And it's that point where you need to think about why am I doing my mix at this volume level or my master to this volume level? It's a very important point. And it relates to gain staging in a very, very big way because of that. Uh, Because your master volume level is a gain stage on your final output, so to speak. It's, it's beyond the recording level that we talked about, which is where we're trying to say minus 18. But I encourage you as a mixing engineer to listen to mixes mixed to those volume levels. So if you're mixing a song, mix or do a faux mastering job of, of a limiter plugin to limit one. And the other thing too is you have to think about this. You can't mix to a volume level of say minus 13 and then master at minus 14 because now you're bringing what you've done down and that is counterintuitive to the mix does that right. make sense yeah so yeah absolutely that's heavily counterintuitive so if you know that you're going to be mixing something that's supposed to be quote unquote made for uh apple i guess they used to call it made for i or mfi uh and you're a mixing guy or a mastering guy that does the MFI or made for Apple uh, mixes. I think it was like mix for iTunes. Or or mix for iTunes, yeah. And and I happen to be one of those guys. I actually have that distinction, um, which is cool. So I can actually mix and if it's done right, I can stick that into, you can mark it as that because yes, I know what I'm doing. Um, And I have been vetted, so to speak, by Apple's people. 
which is cool. Um, yeah. But that being said, you don't mix to like minus 12 and then master to minus 14. That's counterintuitive. You want to mix, and, and, and I'm talking, yeah, which one's, uh, minus 14 is actually Spotify, minus 16 is Apple. Sorry, I got that backwards, I think. So when you're mixing, I strongly recommend that your mix level of your output is like minus 17 or 18 max to give some room to the mastering to be done to minus 16 for Apple. And then a little bit more uh, for the Spotify level. And then if you're really gonna push it, go for the minus 10 or whatever, or minus nine for your CD levels and whatnot. And vinyl is a different level and a different mastering curve altogether. So uh, <clears throat> there's various yeah. ways to approach that, but I don't recommend mixing to zero. <laughs> And yeah. having the mastering but guy we're, go, we're, we're, wait a minute. Yeah, we're, we're getting a little bit more into the, you know, preparing to master here. But, but right, just to tie but it's still part of a game that, stage thing that goes to the mix. And if it, not only from yeah. the recording standpoint, your mixing standpoint should be included in that. And I, I, maybe we should dedicate a whole episode to what I've just Yeah, I think that, about. yeah. And I think we, we talked about this a little bit in, in the mastering, preparing to mastering uh, episode that we did as well. But yes. um, the, the bottom line of today's, episode here i would say is just keep track of your levels but keep them lower than you think oh yeah it's not going to hurt you to to keep in your your tracking levels so that they hover around the, the minus 18 kind of point and i think you'll be pleasantly surprised when you start to mixing how e it's much easier it's much easier yeah you, you you it will yeah it's less work to be done and the uh the process can be just a lot better and the result will, will definitely uh, be there as well. So, yeah. um, yeah. So keep a track of your, your, your levels and your gain stages and your mixes and your clients will thank you. Yeah. And, and don't be afraid. I have a, a friend who I helped set up to work on his gain staging for his entire setup. And he's like, dude, I can literally talk over my mix. I said, well, yep. yeah, you should be able to. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't be mixing so loud that you can't hear yourself. That'd be awful. Uh, yeah, so that, that kind of relates to gain staging as well. But let's tie a bow on that and say it's time for Friday Finds! And Chris, we're going to start with you. And I already know what yeah. you're going to say. <laughs> you know, because I've been waxing prophetically uh, about this. Uh, yeah, I picked up the um, SSL 9000J uh, plugin from Plugin Alliance Brainworks, and mm. I am loving that thing. Um, I still love all my Slate stuff, but I've been intrigued for a long time about having sort of everything in in one plugin. Now, all my Slate people are going to go, well, dude, that's what you have with the rack. Yeah, I know. This is just <laughs> a different way of doing it. Um, I'm not giving up on Slate, but I tried this, and... Plugin Alliance being the reigning champs of email marketing and, and so forth. Um, I got a great discount code uh, and tried them out. And I really, really, really wanted to like a different SSL console. Um, but I did some testing back to back and because the 9000J was, was the more expensive ones, the most recent one they came out with. So I didn't want to like that one because <laughs> I wanted a better deal. But uh, <laughs> I did the A and B and I'm like, 
oh, God damn it. And it was, you know, it, it was, it, yeah, it, I really, really like it. it. I tried it really quickly. I haven't used it on a full mix yet, but I will do that shortly. But yeah, I love that thing. I think I just popped it on there. I was, it was amazing how quickly you could get a really, really good sound. And uh, yeah, if you haven't tried it, go and try it out. I, I really like it. That the nine thousand. Uh, see, that's how excited I am talking mm. about this. It's the nine thousand J. That was my. Yeah, that's definitely my find of the week. I I, I love that one. Love Listen that. to what you about go, fanboy. Listen to you go, fanboy. Oh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not even wearing my my. Brainworks shirt today no. that my daughter got for me, but yeah, but um, yeah. So what what do you got um, for us, Jody? What what did you find? You know, I, I I was a little bit of a toss up in in reading about some new stuff that has been recently released, and mm -hmm. this is not really mixed thing. This is more of a guitar player thing, and cool. I, I I'm gonna give a shout out of kudos to Fender. While I've okay. never been a huge Fender advocate, uh, the funny thing is my very first guitar is a Fender. Mm -hmm. And it's actually sitting right here. I'm going to pull it up and show it on screen. For anybody that wants to go over to the YouTube at this point, um, this was a Fender Stratocaster at one point. It is my Van Halen. Actually, maybe I've done this before on the podcast. It's kind you of have, like yeah, my Van the Halen desert friends. guitar there. Yep. Yeah, the desert guitar. Um, yeah. That used to be a Fender Strat, and it's been bastardized and changed around and, and, and modified in all kinds of ways. Uh, so in this regard, Fender has just released a new product line called the uh, American Professional 2, I believe they call it. Okay. And they're doing this with guitars and basses. Now, I'm not fully aware of whether or not they're made in America, but I'm assuming they are. And I think they're supposed to be a higher end line than the, than the, uh, Squire series. Uh, yeah. and they're reasonably priced. Uh, you can get an American made and I'm assuming it's American made because of the name. I didn't actually research their manufacturing destination on this, uh, for the American professional too. I believe it's somewhere in the neighborhood of like a grand. Hmm. All in. Maybe okay. with tax, it's a little more. I'm not exactly 100% on, on the exact pricing. Um, but they do it for both the Strat and for the Fender Bass. Uh, the, the line is called the American Professional 2. So that's the one I'm going to go with. I had a couple of different things, and that's that's the one I'm choosing. And cool. I, I would actually really like to get my hands on one and throw the Fishman Fluence into them just to see the difference there or to hear the difference there. I think that would nice. be fun. Uh, fenders have never been my favorite neck, but you know, uh, having a fender in your arsenal is not a bad thing. Not right? a bad thing. Not a bad thing at all. And so Very that's cool. my Friday find right there. So while we have your attention still, please go to our website and leave us a review on insidetherecordingstudio.com forward slash review. I feel like I want to start like doing those fast commercials where you can speed up your voice to no end and still kind of on, <laughs> on, on the border of not understanding it. Um, or you can also go to insidetherecordingstudio.com and you can sign up for our email list. Uh, if you go to insidetherecordingstudio.com forward slash gift, 
you get a nice little surprise when you sign up for the email list. So there, you want to do it. I, yeah, you get presets from me. You get presets from Chris. It's a lovely thing. Uh, that way, when you're on the email list, you also get weekly reminders of the episodes that just happened on our podcast. In addition to that, while I've got that going, I'm just going to say, hey, why don't you tell two friends to come and listen to the podcast as well? Because you may not be mixing and recording and engineering and mastering and being a musician in a bubble. Uh, you probably know at least two people. And if you're listening to this at this point, you're probably like, damn, I like these guys. They, they're kind of funny and they know their shit. So tell two friends. And with that, I will say that today's gold star at InsideTheRecordingStudio.com email word is the word gain send us an email to that email address and see what you get back that's what i'm going to say Sound, about that <laughs> sounds good yes what are we doing for um what for the tuesday tip what should tuesday we do? tip i believe maybe you that, should show how you gain stage yes how you keep your levels i think that's a good idea so this week's tuesday tip will be me talking about gain staging and why i do certain volume levels for the things that i do which is obviously right around the minus 18 point because that's how i am I, that's that's how i roll <laughs> so uh if you do have a topic that you would like to suggest to chris and i to talk about, you can also go uh, once again to InsideTheRecordingStudio.com. There is a contact page. You fill out that form and you say, hey guys, why don't you talk about this? And we've got a special episode coming up either next week or the week after from somebody that sent us something recently. So yeah, yeah, do it. It'll make you feel good. And with that, I'm going to say See you next week or see you on Tuesday, actually. See you Tuesday and see you next week because, you know, we come out both days. <laughs> there you go. All right. All right, Jody. Talk to you later. Chris. Have an awesome day, my friend. I'll talk you to too. you later. <laughs>